0: Hi guys, and welcome to the inaugural episode of my new podcast, Beginning Again with Leanna Tankersley. I have been um, writing and speaking about this concept of beginning again for the last decade, and it has been incredibly meaningful and important to me. And I just am ready to broaden the conversation and um, talk to you guys more about what that's looked like in my life and invite you into um, what that might look like in your own life. I, I think every one of us can relate to this idea of having to begin again in some area of our lives. Maybe it's by choice. But maybe it's not by choice. Some of us are beginning again because of the decisions of other people. Some of us are beginning again because we have made a bold and brave choice to step into some new areas in our lives, or maybe a combination of both. You know, for some of us, maybe we're beginning again in our relationship with God. We are coming to a point in our spirituality and our spiritual life and our prayer life and our conversations with God where we feel stuck and we feel like, I need something new. I need um, to reevaluate this dialogue. I need I need to um, experience God and hear from God and listen to God in a whole new way. So maybe you're in a season of life where you're wanting to forge a new relationship with God. You're wanting to let go of things that really aren't serving you anymore, whether that's beliefs or practices, and you're wanting to step into a new season in your relationship with God. And maybe for some of you... um, where you're really doing some significant work or you need to do some significant work is in your relationship with yourself. And this um, is, can be so tricky, so vulnerable. Um, many of us are needing to, as we enter new decades in our lives, we we need to reevaluate the relationship we have with ourselves. Is it adversarial or is it is it compassionate? Do we walk with ourselves like we would a dear friend? And so throughout the episodes, we're going to talk about that some as well. But maybe for you, you're just at a season of life where you're like, the way that I have been um, interacting with and talking to and thinking about myself is it's a dead end. And I need to begin again with some new concepts of um, my relationship with myself. And then I think there's all of us probably, that are constantly having to navigate relationships with other people and are needing to begin again in some of those relationships, whether they are partners or children or family members or parents or siblings, uh, in-laws, there are, um, There are is always an opportunity to have to begin again with the people around us. And so whether that is a deep wound and uh, a betrayal or um, a significant conflict, or whether it's maybe just, I, I need some deeper friendships in my life or some more connections in my life. Many of us are in a season where we're having to navigate beginning again with those around us, with others. And so throughout, the, um, throughout these episodes and throughout the podcast, we're going to talk more about all those things, what it looks like to begin again with God, with ourselves, with each other. And I just hope that you can um, find the invitation for you and where you are in your life right now. I have been writing and speaking about this idea for so long, as I said, and um, I feel like this idea of beginning again just always seems to land because um, it's so relevant for where many of us are in our lives. Um, The word begin means the etymology of the word begin means to open or to open up. When I read that, I just thought, doesn't that say it all? Because when we have to begin, it's a vulnerable thing. And we have to open or to open up, often in the exact place where we want to slam shut. The voices of shame and fear, um, they always tell us, you're done. It's over. It's a voice of scarcity. Stay in your corner. Uh, you are better off stuck, silenced, small. And to begin requires us to push back against those messages and step into something new to open up. Um, it's very subversive in that way because I think all of these voices around us want to say, you know, um, don't step into new territory, don't respond to the invitations. It's too vulnerable, it's not going to work anyway. Just stay right where you are. Um, so when we begin, we have to open up to something new and this is all very vulnerable. Believe me, I know. So we're going to talk about all that a bit more in today's episode, but before we do, I just want to make sure that you know about um, my new devotional that is coming out in a very few short weeks. It's releasing August 20th, 2019, and the title of it is, I'm sure you're shocked, Always We Begin Again, and the subtitle is Stepping into the Next New Moment. The devotional contains 100 readings and reflection prompts. They're brief. You can do it in just a few minutes each morning. And they're just all different invitations, ideas, practices that will help us begin again. The book is available now for pre-order, and again, it's releasing August 20th, 2019, so it would be a huge support to me for you to pre-order the book wherever books are sold, um, to grab a copy for you and a friend. I just got an email from my publisher saying the book is in-house there and that it's beautiful, so it's a hardback um, kind of gift book with um, beautiful metallic in the the cover, and I just can't wait to see it, and I can't wait to put it in your hands, so I wanted to make sure you knew about that. Okay, a little more about beginning again. Um, can we all just admit that beginning is is um, vulnerable? Like being a beginner is very vulnerable. I think our culture, our ego, sometimes our family systems, all these different things work together to say, you know what you'd rather be? You'd rather be an expert. Being an expert is a lot more fun than being a beginner. Being a beginner is clumsy, it's inefficient, it's scary. Um, It's sort of like being out there in front of the whole world when you're trying to figure out what you're doing as you go along. And so I think um, whenever we're in new territory in our lives, starting in a new place or in a new relationship, or with new practices, we feel that sense of vulnerability. 10 years ago, I became a mother to twins. And um, I was a mother for the first time. And I was a mother to these two precious babies, boy, girl, twins. And everyone, oh my gosh, would say, how perfect, how perfect a boy and a girl. And they were, they were perfect. And there was this sense inside of me that it was so perfect. It was all just waiting for me to mess it up. It was so enormous. My love for them was so enormous. My uh, sleeplessness (laughs) was so enormous. Um, My fear was enormous. The pile of Diet Coke cans uh, sitting beside me was enormous. Um, It was so perfect. And I I just had this sort of burning question in the back of my head the whole time, Am I adequate for this? You know, am I adequate for my own life? And the voice of shame, you know, of course, the voice of shame, the voice of fear, those are the voices that tell us, well, no, of course you're not. Of course you're not adequate for this. How could you ever deserve such a gift? And so I found myself paralyzed uh, here and there, (laughs) ever so slightly, hardly worth mentioning, um, because all this was going on while I'm trying to take care of these kids and while I love them so much and while I'm trying to launch into motherhood. Um, for the very first time. And shortly after they were born in the midst of a lot of this paralysis, I read this beautiful sentence from the monk, St. Benedict. And it was just these four words. He wrote, always we begin again. And um, I just sat there and I looked at those four words and I knew they were for me, and I knew they were for me in that moment. And they were not just a line for me to read out of a book, but they were a lifeline for me in my life at that moment. And it was just a, a reminder to me that there is always a hand reaching towards you. There is always grace available, and there is always a chance to begin again. It is never over. We are never done for. We are never stuck. That there is infinite opportunities to step into the next new moment. And this just broke down my my day and my mind and my thoughts and my behavior into, instead of, am I going to succeed at loving these children and caring for them, or am I going to fail, which is a horrible place to put yourself, right? It broke that down and it said, you know what? We are moment by moment loving, loving, Surrendering, feeding, sleeping, caring for these children. It's a moment by moment thing, which all of life is. It's not these grand sweeping questions of, am I failing or am I succeeding? It's beginning again, over and over and over again, like a practice, like a discipline. So I've carried these words around with me ever since, and um, they've just served me. And I want to tell you a, a brief example that maybe some of you can relate to. So, you know, I am not one of those mothers who is um, highly gifted at taking care of all of the paperwork and flotsam and jetsam that comes in the house behind my kids every day. Um, Some of you are like extraordinary at this. You have Um, file folders, you have a labeling machine, you have hooks and compartments and bins, and everything is labeled and has a proper place to be put away. And um, I just don't speak that language. And I need you to come to my house if that's one of you that's listening. But um, that is just, it's like, I I don't know, I just I can't quite ever um, get myself together in that area. So I was particularly proud of myself when recently, uh, my older two, the twins, they're now 10, came in the door and, um, and they said, uh, they put some papers down on the on the um, counter after school, and um, they said, "Oh, our school's doing this food drive, mom, and we should participate." And and I knew that if I hesitated for a second, that um, this opportunity would be completely lost. So I said, "Okay, let's do it. Let's do the food drive." So I um, I picked up the paper and I I looked at what they were trying to collect, and and I said, "Let's just do it right now, and we'll drive it right back over to school." Okay, great. Everybody's on board. So I go, to the, um, I go to the pantry, and in the pantry is, um, uh, you know, well, first of all, first of all, I see this huge Costco jar of pickled beets kind of staring at me from the back of the pantry. You're walking the aisles of Costco, and, and all of a sudden you come across, you know, this double jar, two glass jars, saran wrapped together of pickled beets. And you're like, thank you, God. Thank you. Pickled beets. Like, how awesome. I can think of so many things I can do with pickled beets. What a gift. What a creative gift. Okay, I'm going to grab that. And then by the time you get through the first jar of pickled beets, you can't even look at another beet, and nobody in your family uh, is with you anymore. And you put that second jar in the back of the pantry. And it just sits there and it kind of mocks you, you know, for some time, for months maybe even, um, you know, for example. So I open my pantry and there's that second jar of pickled beets just looking at me. And I said, you know what? I think somebody out there would really enjoy a jar of pickled beets. So I grabbed that and I put it in the bag, paper bag. Then I get um, some cans of beans, cans of corn. I find some nice boxes of tomato basil soup that were left over, and I put these in the bags, and I say, okay, let's do it right now. Let's go back down to the car, and let's take it back to the school and um, have this good deed done for the day, right? So... At this point, the kids have already scattered, and I'm trying to yell for all the kids. Okay, let's go, everybody. We got to go back to school and drop off the the donations. And so, you know, at this point, it's like I'm trying to herd the cats back to the car, and it's like, you know, all of a sudden, we just don't own shoes. There are no shoes. No one has shoes. I'm wearing flip-flops, but not, not anyone else can find a single shoe. Okay, who cares? Just come on. Come on, let's go. And I'm herding the cats down from the house. I go down to the driveway, I go down to the minivan, I set the bags down to open the back of the van, and at that very moment, there is a blood-curdling scream from back up in the house. I go running back to the house, and um, all the other kids that are around follow me, and I find a child who is screaming as if her arm has spontaneously detached. At this point, I'm very focused on getting this task done. So I find the arm, I find the child, I reattach the arm. And at this point now, we are all back at the house. So I've got to start this whole process over of getting all the cats herded back down to the van, which I do, get everybody in, buckled up, and I head out to um, take the donations to the school. I put the car in reverse and I back out and um, the car makes kind of a weird uh, jolt, and I think, oh, that's weird. You know, what was that? So I um, I say, guy, what was that? And Luke says from the backseat, Oh Mom, I think that was a ball. I think I saw a ball under the tire of the van. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, so I put the car in drive to to kind of dislodge the ball from out from under the van tire. And the car makes the same weird lurch. And I was like, ah, that's a really resilient ball. I wonder what's going on. So I put the car in park to get out to go around and get rid of this ball that is in the way of us getting our donations delivered. When I go around to deal with this ball, what do I realize? I realize I have now backed over the bags of donations to take to the school because I was distracted when the child screamed up at the house who had spontaneously lost their arm. And I am standing in, oozing over my flip-flops and in between my toes. You, you know, yep. Pickled beets, tomato basil soup. It looks like the world's largest giant has barfed all over my driveway, and I am currently standing in it. It's one of those afternoons where it's like 106, and I am just sweating I have pickled beets between my toes and my interior monologue is, um, not appropriate. Right. So at that moment, I, uh, the window rolls down in the minivan. Zzz, hey mom, did you get the ball? Lane says to me, and I said, well, <laughs> you know, um, It's actually funny. It's actually kind of funny what happened. It it wasn't a ball after all. Um, Mommy ran over the groceries. And Lane looks at me and she says, you ran over the donations for those less fortunate? How could you do that, mom? How could you do that? And I'm like, you know, Lane, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. Your little sister's arm blew off and I had to go take care of that. And I got distracted and it's so hot out here. I'm so sorry. And then from the back seat behind Lane, Luke says, Lane, did mom get the ball? And Lane says to Luke, no, Luke, mom ran over the donations for those less fortunate. And Luke from the back seat says, why? Why would you do that, mom? Why? Why? So now all the kids are, um, you know, rending their garments and gnashing their teeth because I have um, run over the donations for those less fortunate, and I have to ask the children to roll their windows back up because mommy needs to take a minute, right? Um, as we do, and in that moment, um, my like throat is closing again. I have like. Um, I'm like stuck, glued to the driveway in this in this pinky red barf, and um, a lot of things start going through my head at this point. And you guys will understand this. For example, if only the uh, public school system was not uh, expecting so much of all of us mothers, I would not have um, run over the donations for those less fortunate. If only Honda had not um, installed a subpar backup camera in my minivan, I would not have run over the donations for those less fortunate. If that child's arm hadn't spontaneously detached, I wouldn't have gotten distracted and I wouldn't have run over the donations for those less fortunate. You know what I'm talking about? Like this, This interior monologue that starts to get grimmer and grimmer as we go. And then, of course, it goes to this one. If only I was like Sarah with the great legs, chairing the food drive, and very zen with 19 kids, I wouldn't have gotten flustered and I wouldn't be one of those moms who cannot handle her own life and I wouldn't have run over the donations for those less fortunate. It is at this moment where I am at a serious crossroads. Because this dialogue can take me down to um, my entire identity being um, represented in the smeary, pinky red barf that's on the driveway, right? Like this is who I am. Or I can pivot and change the entire direction of this incident. And I have a choice in this moment. And I can feel it. Because there is this ancient monk figuratively tapping me on the shoulder. And he's saying to me, hey... Hey, Leanna, Leanna, why don't we, um, why don't we begin again? And I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I'm, it's all good. And he's saying to me, Leanna, Leanna, why don't we try to begin again? And I can hear him. I can hear him saying it to me. And I realize in that moment and so many moments in life, I can let what is happening around me, the chaos, the frustration, the anger, the self-loathing, take me down or I can receive the hand that is reaching for me and I can begin again and I can start in a new direction It's a possibility, but I have to open up to it, right? Like we talked about, to begin means to open up. I can slap the hand away and say, no, that grace is not for me. I don't think you saw what's going on over here. Or I can reach back up and I can take it and I can say, thank you. Thank you. Yes, let's begin again. Because the other option is taking me nowhere good, nowhere good at all. So I take a deep breath because that's often what helps us begin again. The very first thing we need to do is drop our shoulders because they're up to our ears, right? And anxiety and fight and flight, drop our shoulders, take a deep breath and say, okay, okay, we're going to begin again. And we keep breathing because the breathing is what actually helps us keep stepping into the next new moment and keep going. I get back in the car. I say, okay, guys, uh, well, we're going to have to begin again, so let's go to the grocery store and let's each pick out a few things that we can take uh, to donate to the food drive at school and let's do it together and let's do it now. And the kids say, okay, mommy, okay. And I said, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry I ran over our donations and let's, uh, let's try it again. And we move on. Right? And later I've got to come back and I've got to hose that mess off the driveway, and I have another opportunity to go totally south. But in that moment, and in the moment subsequent to it, I I see that um, the better option is always, always grace. Always. And here's here's something else I just I want you to know. That sometimes what we believe is the literal and absolute end is often just a beginning. I love the words from Barbara Brown Taylor. She says, new life starts in the dark. Whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. I think that is gorgeous. We can find ourselves in the complete utter darkness and say, this is the end. I am standing in the driveway with pickled beets between my toes. Like it's over for me, right? But these are the seeds for new life. When we are at the end, it's new life and new growth and a new invitation to say, what if I could come alongside myself in this moment where I want to turn on myself? What if I could be a friend? What if I could reach out and accept that grace? What if I could open up to the possibility that it's all going to be okay? It's okay. So if you are in a situation right now where it seems dark, and in subsequent episodes, I want to talk more about this and more about what's going on in my own life and how there has been a significant season of just groping around with not a lot of light, and how I see, though, that... um, this is the time where something new is starting, where something new is being planted, where something new is taking root, and it is sacred, even if it is not easy. The other day I was um, typing, you know, writing on my computer and I wrote, I typed the word um, "scared." What I thought was the word "scared," and I went back and edited what I was writing. And what I realized I had done was I had transposed the C and the A in in the word "scared." And what it read was "sacred." And so everywhere in this paragraph where I had written the word "scared," it actually appeared as "sacred." And my spell check didn't catch it because "sacred" is obviously a word. And it just stopped me for a minute that. Um, scared and sacred look almost identical on first glance. I think there's something important to that, that often when we are at our most scared, most vulnerable, feeling most unsure, that there is often a sacred invitation in that moment for us, an invitation for new life, growth, and a vulnerability that's going to give way to something we could have never experienced had we not gone through the scary thing. I know it 's hard to begin. I know it 's hard to be a beginner. I know it 's hard to step into these new moments in our lives, but perhaps when we are at our most scared, are we also standing on very sacred ground i just I hope that um, there 's something in today 's episode that helped you receive a little more grace in your own life and the journey that you are on. And I, and I cannot wait. I so look forward to sharing more with you guys in the weeks to come. And I just want to remind you, always we begin again.